Welcome to the wilderness of Ferentha, a continent filled with wondrous peoples and exotic beasts. Join us as we follow the journey of one of these peoples, a young Valeri Ridgewalker named Valahar, as he attempts to find a place for himself in this wide and mystical world. High in the rocky mountain bluffs of the Faranthala Range, where the black stone meets the cottony white of the clouds, a lone lupine figure struggled against the wind. The icy gusts tore at his fur, trying with increasing success to rip his cold, clawed hands from the rock as he made his way up the sheer cliff to the Sky Temple. The shrubs and trees of the mountain passes far gone, Valahar glanced around at the bleak rock, searching for the next handhold amidst a sea of black cracks and crevices, before accidentally glancing down. Great spirit, that's a hell of a long way. Well, I guess I live here now. Quit complaining, Val. The temple's like twenty meters away. Screw you, Tarkas. Not all of us have wings. If I fall, my mom will be scraping my guts off the valley floor. At least it'll be a quick cleanup. If I'm so small, why don't you fly me the rest of the way up? And miss out on all the entertainment? Valahar stared at his small winged friend for a moment, sighed, and then continued his way up the cliff. The rock was old and the crevices were deep. That much was on Val's side. Unfortunately, the climb was a long one and his limbs were beginning to tire. Though if Tarkas was right, the top of the cliff was only a few minutes' climb further. He could do a few minutes. Hey, voice. Yeah? Shut up. Climbing's hard enough without you telling me how I'm doing it. No can do, good buddy. Mm. Val dug his fingers into the next hold and, grip by shaking grip, made his way to the top of the sheer rock face. His fingers clasped the cliff's edge and he heaved himself up onto the cliff top. <laughs> Happy to be on solid ground once again, he brushed himself off and looked himself over. Not strictly necessary, as the day was a dry one and the rocks were stout and hard enough that they produced very little dust. Everyone's a critic. <clears throat> well, I mean, it wasn't strictly necessary. Just tell the story. His raiment suitably examined, Val reached into his belt pouch for a piece of dried venison and lifted it to his shoulder just as Tarkas landed on his leather shoulder plate. The crested eagle took the piece of meat greedily in his beak and scarfed it down. Hey! <sighs> no embellishment? No creative storytelling. Fine, if you're going to pout, just do whatever. Thank you. <sighs> the young Valeri, who had just spent an inordinate amount of time looking his armor and the cloth underneath, up and down for any hints of dust and grime, was of average build for an adult of his species, if a touch on the thin side. He was wide at the shoulders and stood on thick, digitigrade legs that ended in wide, clawed pads. His entire body was covered in a coat of gray fur, and his head adorned with a set of burnished silver rings that ran the length of his left ear, resembled that of a rather large wolf. He wore a full set of thick leather armor replete with a specially made shoulder plate to accommodate his winged companion. Valahar straightened to look up at the temple he had worked so hard to reach. The massive structure towered above the clifftop, its white marble walls standing in stark contrast to the dark stone that enveloped them. Along the edges of the main entrance, deep-cut symbols glowed with arcane energy pulsing in time to some unknown beat. The entrance itself was almost forty meters tall and twenty meters wide, and looked as though it could house a creature many times larger than any Val had encountered before. Oh, crap. Ahead of the two companions, near the entrance to the temple proper, Valahar and Tarkas could see a small company of humanoid figures. 
seemingly standing and taking in the temple from the base of the walls. Tarkas took off from Val's shoulders as the young Valeri took a deep breath and loped the several hundred meters to meet up with the mercenary group he had been assigned to guide. The shortest of them, a stone-skinned Kvi, was the first to take notice as he padded up to them. Oh, here's the wee pup finally decided to join us. <sighs> I <sighs> slept in. No surprises there. Captain, the Valeri's here. The leader of the group, a willowy-looking Shajaran, turned to face him. Kariathon's mottled bark resembled that of an aged sycamore tree, with spots of dark brown standing out against the tan. Her bark, for there was no other word for skin which so resembled that of her tree ancestors, covered her entire body, from her stump-like feet to the crown of her head. Her hair, if you could call it that, curled up in gnarled branches that curved like fingers reaching for the sky. And her eye slots, which resembled vertical hollows in a tree's trunk, held two dazzling emerald eyes. She was by far the tallest of the group, standing half a head taller than Val, who was no slouch at two meters. She wore customary armor crafted from the so-called trees of life that grew in the forests of the southern woods. The secrets of crafting and shaping the dense dark wood were tightly held by the Shijarans, but a set could be had, for a price. Her strange wooden features stood unmoving as she addressed the young Valeri Ridgewalker in front of her. You are to meet us at daybreak, yes? As it was, we had to make our way here alone. I, uh, I, I got nothing. You will take half pay for this job, and you will help us clear this temple of the beast who guards it. That seems fair. He had begun to speak out in protest, but seeing Kariathon's eyes harden had silenced him instantaneously. The queen next to him. Uzog Redbeard clapped him on the back. Cheer up, lad. There's a hunt to be had and a prize to be won. What more could one want? When I woke up this morning, I didn't expect to be driving out a skybreaker. Kariaton turned away as she spoke. When you woke up this morning, you had already sealed that fate. A deal is a deal, lest I name you Oathbreaker. At the mention of so strong a malediction, Val stood up straight as an arrow and began panting slightly. Why do you always have to make me sound so spineless? I'm just reading the facts. Don't like it. Change them. Who are you talking to, Pop? Uh, no one. I like this one, Kari. He's nuts, like me. No one is nuts like you, Uzog. Damn shame, too. Hush now. I have to plan our approach. A word from their leader was enough to silence the jovial Kvi, though he continued to hum a merry-sounding ditty to himself as he waited. The Kvi were an odd peoples, short and stout with skin resembling the rock in which they were born. This was the first of their kind he had met, but if the stories Val had heard were true, that skin was as tough as it looked, which seemed hard to believe as it didn't seem to slow down Uzog in the slightest, though the fact that Uzog wore no armor definitely lent credence to the idea. Valahar took a careful look at the good-natured Kvi. At just about half Val's height, Uzog stood just over a meter tall, his onyx skin unblemished and gleaming in the bright sunlight. He had a thick head of wiry red hair that looked for all the world like someone had melted and spun veins of copper ore and then implanted them in the Kvi's head. He stood bare-chested, fingering his axe with one black thumb before sliding the heavy-looking weapon back into the ring that had been expertly sewn into his leather breeches. The last of the company was a strange-looking creature, one that Val had never seen or heard of before. Gender was impossible for him to determine, as the creature looked as though someone had taken a human fetus and stretched it to just under two meters tall. 
The creature was covered in thin pink skin with an oversized head and long spindly limbs. Each hand had four fingers and two thumbs, which were currently occupied with the sharpening of a very wicked-looking knife. Their two jet-black irises were completely focused on the task, every movement belying the utmost care, while its lipless mouth remained set in a thin line. It was sitting on the ground cross-legged, seemingly completely naked, with no discernible genitalia to speak of. It's rude to stare, lad. I mean, I wasn't... I mean, I, I didn't... I... I'm not staring, you're staring. Why would I be staring, Pop? I've been working with Kiragat for the past eight years. Odd mineral they are. But there's no one I'd rather have with me in a scrap. Absolutely ferocious. You have never seen a Vinari, have you, child? Well, you think you haven't. What's that supposed to mean? Giragat shifted. Their skin was the first to transform, the veiny pink membrane ballooning outward, changing color as it went to that of a tanned human. The eyes and mouth relocated slightly, taking on an arrogant leer underneath an untidy mop of golden hair. Over the top of the skin, armor blossomed out, transforming from the tan to a familiar metallic sheen. Oh. Oh was right. The man standing in front of him now was the one valid scene accompanying the others to the chieftain's tent the night before when they had requested a Valeri Ridgewalker as a guide. And now I have to kill ya. Val bristled immediately, reaching for the light blades he had strapped to his legs, as, in his mind's eye, he felt Tarkas tuck into an attack dive. Both he and Tarkas did a double-take, however, as Uzog walked across the space between them and punched Garagat solidly in the arm. <laughs> it was worth the look on your face. Did you see him? Bristling like a cornered dog? Amazing. <sighs> I'm not gonna attack you, kid. Just having a little fun. I told you they were reliable, pup. Not easy to get along with. Tom Vinari's sense of humor. Enough fooling around. It is time to make our move. The three of them turned and moved to form a ring around Kariaton. Valahar kept the corner of his eye on Giragat as the Vinari completed their reversion back to the sickly pink form. The single entrance is the problem. If we trap the wyvern inside, I will likely lose more than one of you. Giragat, you will enter first and get the creature's attention. You have creative control over how you do this. When it exits, I will keep it from taking to the air. Once I give you the signal, kill the Viver. Be careful of the lightning it spits. There are soft spots under the legs and the wings. When all else fails, aim for the eyes. Valahar gulped. Loudly. The tribe had driven out or taken down skybreakers before, but never without taking losses. His uncle was lost in one of those raids, and his grandmother... Hopefully his father wouldn't have to set his medallion in the memorial tent at sunset. I'd also like to keep all my limbs attached. I told you, Kari, bobbling like a mountain stream. Careful, lad, you're too young to be cracking the crystals just yet. Uzog's mouth opened in a wide grin, revealing a set of perfect emerald teeth as he tapped the side of his head with his heavy axe. The metal made a bell-like ringing noise as it bounced off his skull. If madness was an issue, none of you would be here. Giragat? Giragat's skin quickly shifted from the semi-transparent pink membrane to resemble the surrounding rock more closely. Even knowing the Vinadi was there, Valahar struggled to make him out clearly. Ready and waiting. Go. Giragat disappeared in an indiscernible blur as they ran through the door of the temple and into the waiting darkness. Kariaton moved to stand against the wall to the right of the temple entrance, as Uzog aligned himself dead center, about thirty meters from the doorway. Unsure of where to stand, 
Valahar mirrored Karyaton on the opposite side of the entrance, while Tarkas flew up to give Val a better view. Valahar took a deep breath and shifted his mind state to one of soft focus, splitting his awareness between the vision of his avian friend and that of his own eyes. As he did so, an earth-splitting screech rang across the clifftop. It was loud, very loud. How could it sound both so deep down and so loud? Val steeled himself, remembering his training, and returned to his soft focus. The thumps were getting louder. Deep breaths. Louder still. He kept his vision steady, blades drawn and limbs lightly bent, ready to spring into action. Uzog winked at him. The wyvern burst into the afternoon sun, thrashing back and forth in pain and anger. It was enormous. Fully eight meters tall at the shoulder, with a whip-like tail and a long serpentine neck. It was armored in bright purple scales from the tip of its tail to the end of its nose. Lightning poured from its open jaws as something hung from its bleeding eye socket. It must have been Gedogget, though the Vinati had once again morphed their shape. Three of the once human-like limbs had been replaced with what looked like those of a gecko, while the left hand seemed to be gripping the hilt of the dagger Val had seen them sharpening earlier. Gedogget had also shrunk their oversized head presumably to reduce the chance of head injury. With its one good eye, the wyvern saw Uzog standing proudly before it and leapt to snap him up whole. No sooner had the creature burst from the temple than the air around Karyaton's body began to shimmer as if reacting to her movements. She gestured and shifted, creating shapes with her body that resembled something between a dance and a martial art. Then, after a deep breath, raised her hands into the air and then slammed them to the rock at her feet. The rock shifted. It seemed to be almost the consistency of quicksand or magma. Valahar noted that it gave off no heat. No! The wyvern realized only too late the need to escape. As it tensed its enormous body to leap into the air, it sank up to its thighs in the liquid rock, only to see the ground harden again. Uzog raised his axe with both hands and sprinted, laughing straight at the creature's open mouth. As he did so, a blast of purple lightning arced from its mouth across the clifftop and hit him square in the chest. The electricity hit his axe first, the massive amount of energy causing the metal to take on a dull red glow. It then coursed down the axe and into his stony body, causing the Kvi to stumble to one knee. Val took that moment to leap into action, adrenaline moving him faster than he had ever moved before. He leapt, swords outstretched, aiming to strike the wyvern in the soft spot in the pit, where its right leg met the main body. He was caught midair by the long whip-like tail and sent tumbling head over heels across the clifftop before crashing bodily to the rocky ground. As Val's body hit the earth, Uzog stood once more and closed the distance between himself and the wyvern, raising his axe with both hands. Giragat took that opportunity to crank the knife downwards, forcing the creature's head towards the ground as it attempted to alleviate the pain. As the head moved within reach, Uzog swung his axe in a powerful uppercut to the base of the wyvern's jaw. A loud clanging noise echoed across the clifftop as the axe bit deep, shards of purple scale flying off the creature's head, and a spray of warm blood spattering across Uzog's copper hair. The wyvern screeched loudly, tearing skywards against the rock that bound it to the earth. His body aching, Val sat up on the dark rock, glancing around for his two swords. The creature was impossibly big. How could they ever have thought they would bring it down? The largest thing he had ever taken down was a bear that had been afflicted with fever madness. What was he doing fighting a skybreaker? 
The blood was roaring in his ears, and his connection with Tarkas was all but gone. Where did he put his swords? Get up, Ridgewalker. We have the beast. We just need to tire it out. Stand and fight. I don't. Stand up, child of the earth. We need your blades. I... In his moment of indecision, the wyvern gave one last almighty tug. The rock around its right leg shattered, causing a cascade of shale and black dust. Partially free, the wyvern spun its body and swung its tail straight at Kariaton, catching the Shajaran full in the chest and shattering her concentration. Her body flew back and slammed into the side of the temple wall. Now unhindered, the wyvern stretched out its full wingspan and beat its wings once. Twice. Three times until the force of its beating wings ripped its other leg from the earth leaving it free to lift off into the sky. Giragat, noticing that their perch had regained its freedom, released their grip on the wyvern's face and tumbled to the ground acrobatically, timing the landing and the subsequent roll to cushion the fall. Uzog sprinted the gap to Kariaton and gripped her gently but firmly in his broad hands. Are you all right, Kari? Kariaton gave the Kvi a wan smile. I'm fine, Uzog, though I need a moment to catch my breath. We drove the creature out at least. You have plenty of time to rest. Valahar ran over to the two figures just as Giragat stepped up beside them. I'm sorry, I... No more from you, Oathbreaker. We'll speak of your failure when I have rested. I just... She said be quiet, pup. All eyes on Kariaton, Valahar squatted down in silence and watched as their quarry flew off over the sea of clouds. Here ends the first chapter of The Cartographer, written, acted, and recorded by Daniel Cryer. If you enjoyed the story, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you know as soon as the next chapter comes out. You can find my information at cartographer.podbean.com and are welcome to contact me anytime. Enjoy your week, and I'll see you next Tuesday.